Psalms 55, verse 22. You know, I think this has only happened to me a couple of times, and then he's been with me a while, so he knows. You know how I like titles. I didn't have one until again, right, right now. And watch, look at the way God works. Uh, and uh, uh, once we're done with the sermon, you'll understand why. The title of my sermon is The Burden of Proof. The Burden of Proof. And you'll see why. I had gotten this sermon together, but I couldn't get a title for it till right, right now. The Burden of Proof. Psalm 65, verse 22. Then we're going to cover a lot of scripture here tonight. We're going to almost dissect a number of verses out of Psalm 55. But we're also going to cover other portions of scripture. So you've got to keep your Bibles handy. We're going to make a big joyful noise tonight. What's a joyful noise? We're going to do a lot of that. Are you ready? Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burdens or your cares on the Lord, and He will what? Sustain you. He will, 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 will. See that word? He will sustain you. Not if, maybe, could be, perhaps. Nah, He ain't beating around the bush. He will sustain you. And will what? And will what? Never let the righteous fall. Never. Never, never, never. Let the righteous fall. Father, I pray for the righteous. Oh, Jesus, illuminate our minds and our hearts. Let them work in sync. Allow us to glean from your word here tonight to be the righteous individuals you want us to be. To be burdened in the proper place. To understand, oh, the depths of your word are so rich, so deep. We can just draw out like a deep wealth, wealth after wealth, drink after drink. To be satisfied. Let us leave here, every one of us that wants to drink of your word, totally satisfied from the well of your word. We bless you and praise you and make us better Christians. So those that don't know you, make them Christians tonight. Save their souls. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Greet one another one more time with the love of the Lord. Shake a few hands. We talked about drinking from God's word. I'm going to drink the real water. Hallelujah. Then you may be seated. Wasn't my wife good this morning? Uh, she was good. She got down. Man, what a, what a sermon this morning. I mean, I was just sitting there like usually when I, some, uh, you know, I've mentioned before when I'm preaching, I can tell like some of, you, some of you are sitting out there saying, shut up, Steve, make the altar call. I want to go to the altar. That's the way I was today. I was saying, just stop. And I don't know. I was the first one at the altar. I, I, I just like rushed over there. Uh, some of you probably said, oh, the pastor. Yeah, the pastor ain't perfect. I'm not the pope. Ah. Uh, and man, some of you, you know that. I, you know, I, I don't do everything that I'm supposed to do. I try. Ah, but there's only one of me. Hallelujah. And so man, she was talking about conviction uh, versus convenience. And sometimes we can get in the convenience zone. So man, I was, I was like, let me at it. Uh, and, I'm, and as soon as I got there, man, God started breaking me, touching me. And I got a few people all around me just, you know, breaking. Uh, that was the power of God. So we, it was rich this morning. Tonight is going to be, in a sense, more of an instruction. And I mentioned it today. And uh, if the help comes on, then we'll be all right. Uh, but I am excited about God's word here tonight and how we can learn and go out of here uh, better people. Now, here in this portion of scripture, Psalm 75 verse 22, we need to understand that this part of scripture is directed to believers. Who's it directed to? Believers, Christians, you and I. It's directed to God's church, to the righteous, the Bible says. Uh, look at verse 22. It says to the righteous, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let, who? The righteous. He's talking to righteous people, Christians. Now, nearly all the burdens that are put on the unrighteous, the unregenerated people, the non-Christians, 
the burdens that are put upon them, the people without God, those burdens are usually designed to bring them to God or to bring them on their knees, right? Did you hear me? See, Christians have burdens. Most of the burdens that are given to the unrighteous, to the people that are not Christians, those burdens are designed to bring us to God or to the men's home and then to God. Uh, or to, but to get us there, one way or another. Uh, I, mean, I mean, everybody that went to the home just about you, probably most of you were on your way to, I mean, hell, of course, but to jail or jail or jail. Huh? Or someplace along those lines. Huh? But when you come to the home, see, those burdens that we had. I mean, I was going back to the penitentiary. That's where I was going. Uh, see, what have we said before? That God has four ways of speaking to us. Through his word, through his spirit, through his people, his servants. And if we don't hear the first three, what's the fourth? Circumstances. Uh, that's how God will speak to us. If he can't get us our attention three ways, he'll get us the fourth way. Uh, and those burdens are designed to the unrighteous to get you on your knees. I mean, what's usually the first thing we say when we, we, we get in an accident? Oh, my God. See? See, see where you turn? Oh, my God. Uh, those are designed to do that when we go through those circumstances to get us to the Lord. But, again, okay, our opening verse is centered around and geared towards the righteous, towards believers, towards you and I. And it mentions that the burdens of the righteous can be put on the Lord. Cast your burdens or your, your cares on God. And the results will be that he will, you know, the, the, the righteous person will remain unmovable. He will be uncrushed even in the heaviest of loads. That's what it says there. Okay, you will not be crushed. You will not be moved. Uh, you will never fall. Okay, when those burdens come upon the people that are born again and saved. I've said that before. Remember my principle of the thumbtack and the watermelon seed? When you put pressure on a watermelon seed, what happens? It jumps in your eye. Uh, it can't take the pressure. But when you put pressure on a Christian or a thumbtack, what happens? He sticks harder. Hit me harder, devil. Hit me harder. Uh, like Debbie was talking about it. Sometimes it's hard to come to church, but if you stick, stick it out... Uh, I'm telling you, you'll give the devil a hard time like Debbie does. Hallelujah. Uh, that's what will happen because you get stronger when you're burdened as a Christian. Now, the question is, who are the righteous? That's what I want to deal with in the outside of the sermon. Who are the righteous? Who is the righteous referring to here in Psalm 55? How can you spot a righteous individual or a righteous person? Well, the Bible says that by your fruit shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you are Christ's disciples. Turn to Proverbs 10. Verse 11. Proverbs 10, verse 11. See, there are certain symptoms or certain signs that we can spot, that we can use to spot a righteous individual or a Christian. Do you have Proverbs 10, 11? Let me read it. And then we're going to read and keep it open there to Proverbs 10 because we're going to cover some more scripture in Proverbs chapter 10. The mouth or the speech of the righteous is a what? Fountain or well of life. In other words, in other words, you can spot a Christian by his words. In other words, by his speech. Okay? See, the, their conversation will be edifying. Their conversation is constructive, not destructive. That's how you can spot a righteous person. In other words, he's not, a, he's not always putting you down. Or for you husbands, she's not always putting you down. You better be righteous, man. Woman, talk good about me, not bad. 
Ah, you want to be a righteous wife? Edify your husband. Oh, well, that's right. Ah, my wife was giving me the sermon that she's going to speak to the pastor's wives. Man, she should preach that one to all the women. Uh, if you're a minister's wife, I mean, you, she's going to get down. I'm going to have her preach it here when she gets here. It's powerful. It's a powerful sermon that she's going to be speaking to the pastor's wives about edifying, speaking words of edification. Uh, and I know a lot of the pastor's wives are going to be changed. Now, people that are continually tearing people down with no element of edification at all, these people show bad fruit. They're bad fruit, okay? But if, if your speech is, is, is uh, you know, towards edification, then you are a righteous person. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, but keep a holder there on Proverbs 10. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. My wife read out of Ephesians here this morning. Beginning in verse 29. Ephesians 4. Do you have it? Do not let any unwholesome what? Talk or communication or speech come out of your mouth. But only, only what is helpful or edifying for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Uh, look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. It has to do with talking along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. It has to do with speech and how you talk and how you conduct yourself. The Bible also says that the lips of the righteous is food for many. The lips of the righteous is food for many people. See, words and conversation of the righteous person is food and nourishment to others. In other words, we're supposed to build people up, not tear them down. That's how we can tell if you're righteous, if you're edifying. The Bible also says in Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in season, how good it is when a word is spoken. Isn't it great when you're going through something and then all of a sudden a Christian will tell you something that really helps you? That's what it talks about here in Proverbs 15. A word spoken in season. Man, I needed that. I needed that. Mm. Like, like a lot of times when you come and you, you, need, a, you need a sermon that's going to really minister to you, like I pray tonight. And all of a sudden you say, hey, man, I needed that. That's the way I've been praying, that you'll be able to leave out of here edified, built up and ready to go hit the devil. Hallelujah. He don't like you. He thinks you're ugly. Uh, I got to keep, keep him. See, also in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, that the tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. And I like that. The tongue, the speech of a righteous is like choice silver. Not just silver, choice silver. Remember ladies? Someone I preached a few weeks ago to the ladies. The what? Choice is yours. Choice. See, silver signifies purity. It signifies only the best. Choice words. In other words, be particular with your words if you're going to be a righteous person. Don't just... You know, one lady said, man, you know, I went and I gave that guy a piece of my mind that she couldn't afford to give. She goes, pastor, once I, I let it out like a shotgun. Then I felt a whole lot better. Yeah, right. Uh, choose your words carefully. Uh, be mature. In other words, the righteous select their words. They're not just talking out of the side of their neck. You know, honey. Uh, you ever know some of these people, some of those guys, they, they, they got a word for everything. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, I heard you. Well, that's just real. I don't know how people can stay on the phone for hours. Unless, of course, they choose their words. Wait, wait, let me look it up in the dictionary. Uh, the platypuses of the... Uh, what does that mean? Uh, 
choose your words carefully. Uh, you know, when, and I've mentioned this before, when, whenever guests would come to my house, in my mother's house there, Santa Paula, whenever there were guests that she you know, really took to, and I could tell the ones she really liked, because they got the silver treatment. Uh, China and silverware, real silverware. Uh, and I said, ooh, mama likes these people. Uh, because she would choose to, to use the china and the silver, the choice silver. And I said, oh, these people got to be important. Uh, when, when I said, man, I mean, we still eat beans and rice, but it was, but it was on silver now. <laughs> Things are better, you know, with, with silver stuff, you know. Ay, ay, ay. Silverware, select. She would select the best silverware for those guests. And that's how one can spot a righteous person. He or she uses, selects choice words. Words that will build up and edify. Words of construction, not destruction. Number two, look at Proverbs 10, 16. The second characteristic of a righteous person. Proverbs 10, verse 16. Number one, you can spot them by the way they, their speech. Then also verse 16 will, will give you mannerism or characteristic number six, uh, two. The wages of the righteous bring them life. But the income of the wicked brings them punishment. Okay. Some of your translations say the work of the righteous or the wages. Okay, the earnings. See, the work or by their labor. That's how you can spot a righteous person. First of all, by his speech, then also by his actions. Are you with me? His conduct, his mannerisms, the way he conducts himself, their actions. The Bible says that the work, their worth ethics, and my wife used that word ethics today, their worth ethics, okay, their business life is above board. It's edifying. In other words, when you go to your job, hey, you should be a, a good worker. They should be able to spot this rain. This guy's going to get a raise sooner or later. And usually it's sooner. When you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're right in line because of your worth, work ethic. And I like the word that my wife brought out today, ethic. In other words, it's up to you. It's, it's what's on the inside, your ethics. Okay, your, 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 your Christian morals, your Christian standards. That's what she said, your standards. They should be high. Ah, that's like when you go in there and you start laboring for God. In other words, even when you're, you know, you're, you're out laboring in your workplace and in, in God's house, it's, it's all the same. It, it correlates. It works together. You can't tell if you're at your job or at your church. Now, there's a friend of mine who signed with the Oakland A's. You're going to probably meet him because he's going to have to come around sooner or later. He's my friend. Uh, and he likes Mexican food. All right? And uh, his name is Doug Jones, 41 years old. Seven saves away from 300 saves. I can hardly wait to be there when when he reaches that milestone, it's going to be something else. But Doug probably will come here every now and again. But when I met Doug, okay, and he's, a, he's been an all-star pitcher for many years. He doesn't throw real hard, but man, he knows where to put it and how to do it. And I mean, 200, what would it be? 293 saves, Major League, that's a lot of saves. Um, but when I first met him, I was preaching at his church in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, his pastor's a real good friend of mine. We grew up together. And I couldn't tell who Doug was. And he's six foot five. I mean, if you, Doug's got a big old mustache, you guys, my daughters have seen him, he, you know. He told me one time, Sparky Anderson came up to him and says, man, he says, I thought you were a bad motor scooter. You're a cream puff. Because he's a Christian. He's, he, he, but he looks like, ooh, stay away from Doug. You know? uh, he looks like the walrus. Uh, whatever you say, bro, you know, go to church. <laughs> uh, but when I first spotted him, I couldn't really tell. Because... And I've seen him, I've taken my children. I've taken some of you to go see him pitch. The minute he's done 
I couldn't get to him. So I thought, dog, dog, dog. But he, because his work, work ethic. Later on, I found out it's work, his work ethic. If he, he just goes and he, and he takes off right away and I wasn't able to talk to him. And he used to give me free tickets. But in church, he's, he's always picking up peavies. He's always he's doing, and I said, that's Doug Jones? Because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't put up something that he's not. He works hard even in church. He's the sound man in the church. Huh? That, that, that's what, so that's how you can spot a Christian by his work ethic as well. Okay? See, there's nothing cold or destructive about a person's work. Then thirdly, the Bible says that the fruit of the righteous is as a tree of life. First of all, you can spot them by their speech, by their conduct, and then it says there, the fruit of the righteous is as a tree of life. In other words, the righteous person will be one that you want to hang around with because he or she will sweeten or refresh your life. That's how you can spot a righteous person. In other words, you want to hang around with them. They're going to sweeten. They're going to refresh. They're going to revive. They're going to bring vitalization into your life. You're going to want to hang around with them because that's the sign of a righteous person. Uh, in other words, if you're in the girl's home, attention, attention, then if you're a righteous person in the home, then you know, you're going to get along with everybody because everybody's going to be righteous. You're going to want to hang around with everybody. Uh, and it's not easy being in the home. you got to be righteous. <laughs> uh, I mean, because all those personalities, everybody, you know, like we say in Spanish, capirutada, a conglomerate. Everybody, you know, you're a peanut. Well, I'm a cashew. You know what? I'm a piece of bread. You know, uh, capirutada. All these things put together. You got to, if you're a person, though, that the people want to hang around with, then you're going to be okay. You're going to bring edification. These people are contributors because of, because of them, our planet or our earth is a better place. Because of them, okay, our lives have been enriched. That's the kind of person you want to be. Where your life has been enriched because you knew that individual. You want to hang around with them kind of people. Uh, because, man, they mean nothing but good. And they bring nothing but good to your life. That's how you can spot a righteous person. His speech, his conduct, and you want to hang around with them. Because you know you're going to grow. Yet, Psalms 55 tells us that... The righteous are not, not, not without burdens. That's what it says there. You can have good speech, good conduct, be a good person, but you're going to have trouble. Them that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Calvary road is a rocky road. How can you spot, how do you know you're on the road to success? It's uphill all the way. That's how you know. It's not going to be easy being a Christian. Anything of value, you've got to pay a price. You've got to pay a price. Uh, I mean, hey guys, if you want to be a good husband, you're going to have to learn to pay a price. And if anybody's going to want to marry you, I don't know how, hallelujah. They're going to have to know, you know what, that guy went through the home, that, that guy did this, that guy paid a price for me. Just wait there, honey, I'll, I'll be back in two and a half years. Ay, 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 ay. That's how long, I, that's how short I stayed. That's not how long, that's how short I stayed. It was a short timer. Uh, but anything of value, you got to pay a price. It's not going to be easy. See, the righteous, they will, will still have things that will weigh heavy upon their soul. That's what a burden means. It's a burden of something that weighs heavy. And as a Christian, you're going to have things that are going to weigh heavy upon your heart. You're going to have things that are going to weigh heavy upon your life. You're going to carry burdens sometimes. But you've got to keep walking. You've got to keep going. Uh, because there's things of value up ahead. So let's examine 
this Psalms here, Psalm 75, and we're going to dissect it real quickly here now to see what exactly are the burdens that confronted the righteous person of Psalm 75. Let's look at what was burdening the writer of Psalm 75. Are you with me? Can you breathe for 15 more minutes? Okay, we're going to, hear, we're going to have Philip LaCruz here next week, right? Let me, let me, let me show you what Philip LaCruz is going to do. How many will give me 10 more minutes? Let me see your hand. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 78. He's going to do that. He's, a, he's that kind of an evangelist. Uh, so you got to be ready. I'm just getting you ready for Philip LaCruz. <laughs> All right. We're going to stay here on Psalm 75. Turn to Psalm 75 very quickly. We're going to cut it up here. We're going to dissect it. Okay. We're going to see what disturbed this righteous person to the point of making his life burdensome. As you read Psalm 75, we see that two, two key things, two outstanding elements are weighing him down. And they're actually, you know, they're, they're getting to him. You ever had something in Christianity? Man, it's getting to me. Hey, there's not everybody's not going to go. You're not always going to be merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. You're not always going to be follow the yellow brick road. The road to success is how? Uphill. Uh, there's going to be things that are going to get to you. You cannot be like me. Uh, now, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, with me, I know the disposition I have. Uh, because of the life that I lived, I turned, it, I turned the tables on the devil. So, man, I mean, anything, since I don't have to be in the hole in jail or prison anymore, that, that's enough for me. So I'm going to go to heaven. That's enough for me, by and large. But, man, there's going to be things in your life that are going to get to you. In Spanish, I'm going to say it, te van a huitar, hombre. Yeah, they're going to get to you. How do you say it in Hawaiian? Uh, not enough pineapple. That's how you say it. Uh, you're not always going to have enough pineapples. You're going to get irritated sometimes. You're going to want to throw in the towels. Everyone, have you ever felt like they wanted to quit? Yeah. You're going to get burdened as a righteous person. Uh, and that's what was happening here. But look at the things that were burdening the psalmist here, Psalms 55. Okay. Number one. The first thing is the pride of the evildoers. It's all the violence and it's all the evil that was going on in the streets of his city. The writer of Psalms 55. That seemed to go unchecked. In other words, it seemed like, and my wife talked about it today, that, you know, the sinner is doing better than the Christian. The ain'ts got it better than the saints. And it was irritating him. It was burdening him. The psalmist is, is burdened by the fact that evil is running rampant and bold and hard on the streets of his city as if it had a license to do so. Talk about East Palo Alto. That's what it looks like. Uh, up and down our, our, our city streets. It seems like all the evil goes unchecked. Look at Psalms 55, verses 2 through 5. Psalms 55, verses 2 through 5, and then 9, 10, and 11. Do you have it? It says there, Hear me and answer me. My thoughts, what? Trouble me. And I am distraught. At the voice of the enemy... At the stairs of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Now jump down to verse 9. Uh, sort of like the streets of Oakland. Confuse the wicked, O Lord. Confound their speech. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night 
They prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Man, isn't that like today's day and age? Destructive, not constructive. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. See, to the righteous, this is what should get us burdened. When we see the predicament of places like East Palo Alto, A Street, Dakota the way it used to be, and still tries to be sometimes, 66 in Haven's Court, when we see places like that, that should get a righteous person indignated and burdened. That should be your burden. That should be it. There's where your burden should be. When you see all the violence going on and being unchecked, nobody doing something about it. No, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Uh, I have a sermon for the young ladies called As for Me and My Blouse, but that's another sermon. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd throw that in for change, but that's not chump change. Hallelujah. Uh, as for me and my house, we're gonna, I'm going to do something about it. I mean, this, today I preached in East Palo Alto, and I talked about the original cholo, right? Who was the original cholo? Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant movement. Remember, Martin Luther was a, was a great, great uh, attorney. He was a lawyer. But then he, he, he entered the priesthood. He understood the word of God so good that he used to spend three and a half hours in the confessional a day, and he lived in a monastery. I didn't say he watched HBO. I didn't say that he had... You know, stars, TV. The guy lived in a monastery. And he would spend three and a half hours confessing his sins every day. Because he was an attorney, he had an attorney's mind. Then he figured out in the word of God and he says, man, uh-uh. This ain't right, this ain't right, this ain't right. The church, he, he figured out 98 things that the church needed to improve in. So he took him and he nailed him to the, to the door of his church. And they're called today the 98 theses. Means these, 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 these things need to change. The Pope got all mad. They defrocked the individual. They got rid of him. But then they, they, they gave him an audience in front of the Pope in Worms, W-U-R-M-S. And they let him come before the Pope. And the Pope said, Martin, because they knew how smart he was, denounce these 98 things and we will, we will reinstate you as a priest in the Catholic Church. And he said words now that are inf not infamous, that are very famous today. They've written a book called this. He says, here I stand, I can do no more. In other words, he was the original cholo. Aquí para Martin Luther y que, and I hope you don't like it. Say, really? Really? That's what he said. In a sense, that's what he, he's the original cholo. Uh, he didn't back down. He says, aquí para Martin Luther. And these 98 theses, this is me. Uh, well, listen, we have to have that same kind of guts if we're going to make it. You think the devil's going to back down? Of, Please, devil, leave in Jesus' name. Listen, we've just recently acquired a building, people. Uh, do you think we're playing games here? It's not going to be, but hey. Oh, hallelujah. Here we come. Here we, and we're going to stand. Uh, come on. The first room we're going to get in that place is going to be a prayer room. The first room. So we're a prayer room. Right here. Uh, yes, I want children's church. Yes, I, but uh, prayer. The war room, that's what we're going to get. But men that, and women that really mean business are going to go in there and stay there for hours. Confessing, hallelujah, with Martin Luther. Uh, I haven't even gotten to my first petition. I'm still confessing. <laughs> Praise God. But listen, we're serious. We've got to make a difference. Young people, tell me you're going to go back into your school. You're going to be the only one standing, but you say, uh-uh. It's all right. 
It's, I know I have, and, and what I have believed. I know what Jesus Christ did for me at a real tender age. And you can't change that. And you're going to stand in your church, excuse me, in your, in your schools and in your jobs, and you're going to make a difference. Uh, that's what a, a righteous person does. He's burdened with, with the sins of society and how it seems, it seems to go unchecked. That's the heart of a ministry like Victory Outreach. That's the way Victory Outreach was birthed. David Wilkerson, he read a magazine and the cover of Life magazine back in 1950-something. He saw boys there from the Mau Mau gang that were, that were destroying New York City. And he was a country preacher up in, in the hills of Pennsylvania. And he says, man, this, God spoke to him and says, go to New York, you can make a difference. Pastor Sonny says, he was a hillbilly. Can you, anybody ever been in New York? Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, even, even if you're a hipster from Cali, California, over there looking at you like, you know, I'm like, son, Stephen, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he is. Cool dude. Uh, he did the lead in their play, Tell Street Dreams, and everybody, ooh, that guy's bad. But the East Coast people look at him like, uh, come on, brother, get a mat, get something over here. Because they're real bad. Uh, they can spot a duck a mile away. Can you imagine Dave Wilkerson, hillbilly? <laughs> Nikki, Jesus loves you. Oh, yeah, but I hate you, eh? You know, Nikki tells me, Nikki tells me, he says, Steve, I beat that man to a pulp. Nikki whipped on him with hatred, malice, like here, this, right here. Every time I hear Nikki tell me what happened, I guess Nikki like wants to cry. He says, Steve, I beat him bad. I thought he was dead. He says, but the guy got up. Says, the man got up. And you, you know the famous words now? He says, Nikki, you can cut me into a thousand pieces and throw a thousand pieces in the street and every piece will still say, Jesus loves you. One man, the difference he can make. Uh, take a stand. That's what burdens a righteous individual. Uh, see, the social evils uh, and the injustices of our day should weigh heavy upon a righteous person. But if they don't, then I question your righteousness. I question your Christianity. You might be saved and going to heaven, but man, come on. If these things don't get to you, wow. Understand that the church, the church you belong to. God has positioned us for such a time as this. He's given us his property not for a reason. You're born again. You're saved at the right time, at the right place, with the right people, with the right preacher. Let's go on. Second, the second thing that was burdening the psalmist was the disloyalty and hypocrisy that he saw. Look at verses 12 through 14 of Psalms 55. Verses 12 through 14. Do you have it? Well, then you're faster than me. Goodness. I need my wife's glasses. All right, here we go. Verses 12 through 14. If an enemy <clears throat> were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, hijo, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God jump down to verse 19 God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them Selah. men who never changed their ways and have no fear of God might complain 
attacks, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is a mouth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. The psalmist here is referring to the hypocrites. People who said one thing in front of you, but did and said quite another behind your back. They stab you in the back. The backstabbers. Uh, that's what he's talking about. See, a friend is somebody, and I mentioned this before, a friend is somebody who's going to stab you in the chest, not behind your back. Uh, and really, I can tell you, in my 25 years of ministry, I could show you. But my back ain't big enough. <laughs> uh, and I can show you very few things that have been here. Most of them are by Josie. And this was 1986 right here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 this one right here, that was Josie. Uh, right between the eyes. Yeah, you're right, honey. You know. Uh, what have I said before? The older I get, the more and more I start seeing that God's voice sounds just like Josie. Uh, hey! But that's a friend. Uh, wounds of a friend, Proverbs says, are better than kisses of an enemy. Oh, yeah, Pastor Steve, I love you. Uh, the minute I hear, so, you know what, that guy, who do you think he is? Uh, so many times they've had me for dinner, hallelujah. Uh, that happens. Wounds of a friend are better than kisses of an enemy. But here in Psalm 55, the writer was burdened. He was fed up with people uh, who were only kiss-ups, hypocrites, backbiters. Uh, in ministry, you're going to get what we call ladder climbers, uh, wannabes. They say all kinds of stuff to, to cut you down in order to get your position, in order to get what, what they want. That doesn't only happen out in the world. It happens a lot in, in Christianity. Look at it, look at it. Uh, and once you fall, they throw a party. And I preached about that the other day. Well, guess who's up, Pastor Steve? Here I am. I can do the job. Look at me. Here I am. You need a replacement? Ah. Uh, uh, backbiters. See, the psalmist could see the salt was going sour. Sour. It was the disloyalty and unfaithfulness of so-called friends. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I am the way that I am. See, I personally don't get, you know, you know, I, I don't put a lot of stock on words of promise. People say, well, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to help the church when I win the lottery. When they say, oh, Pastor, you can't, oh, yes, yeah. I don't put a lot of stock in words. I've been in this almost 25 years. Uh, Bible calls these type of people clouds without water. Oh, yeah, but it never rains. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. At least spit or something, man, you know. Let there be some kind of rain. Uh, nada. One of these days and it won't be long. Well, how long is long? Uh, they talk a big game, but they deliver a big fat zero. You know what John Thorpe, our attorney, told me the other day? This guy used to be an attorney for Howard Hughes. And if you don't know who he is, he was the richest man. He was like the, the, the Donald Trump of his day. Uh, he was like the Steve Jobs of his day. And this guy's been around, our, our attorney. I don't know how God brought him our way, but God brought him our way. The, the other church, was we bring him, they were all scared of him. Uh, I mean, he graduated from Stanford, Bolt Hall. He, he, he started all kinds of new things in, in, in being a lawyer. But what he, he earned so many millions and millions of dollars back in the day. 
But his friends that were disloyal to him beat him for all that money, millions. So he, here's what he told me. Listen to this. I'm going to be a little bold here, but not that bad. You'll, you'll understand. He told me, because we're going to go have uh, a round table with the other church. We were going to go, you know, and some of you were there. Okay, who was there? I know Pasquale was there. Where's Pasquale? Okay, who else was there in the, that meeting? Bernard, hijo, yeah, hallelujah. Uh, people told me, should they leave? And I said, nah, let them let stay here. Uh, let them stay here. Uh, I'm glad you guys went. Uh, but man, woohoo, that was a little bit heated, right? Uh, but anyways, we were there, and it was for the church. So, I, I, you know, I had, we had a few other guys that were there, Dan Pine and uh, Richard Pinto came in later on. Daryl came in later on. But when we went to the meeting, here, look what he says. He says, Pastor Steve, when you go to that meeting and you sit down eye to eye with that other pastor, treat him like he was Mike Flores. Okay, you guys don't know who Mike Flores is. I'm being bold right there using that name. He was the former pastor of Victory Outreach Sacramento. Now it's a name by the man by the name of Eddie Caraveo. Hallelujah. Uh, Thalia, his wife. But Mike was, ay, ay, ay. Uh, that guy, later when, when I was involved in ministry, I said, how did that guy get out? Who sent him? My God. Sharp, talented individual, Mike. Sharp guy. Sharper than me in a lot of areas. That didn't say too much, but he is. In some areas, okay? But as far as integrity and all this, he, man, he way back. Uh, being a man of his word, he, man, he, he come on. And that guy's been too much with our ministry. We've had to take him to court. So when he told me that, I said, but I love Pastor Bob. He's a good guy. You know, the guy from the other church. He said, Steve, listen to me. Whenever you deal business with anybody, even the pastor, Deal with everybody, because he could be a Mike Flores. You, don't, you never know. I said, yeah, he's not, he's not. He says, do what you want. He said, I'm just trying to give you advice. Take it from somebody that knows. And he's not even a Christian. Huh? But he says, treat him up, because you never know what's going to happen. You got to be careful. You got to be careful, man. Look, look what's happening here. The psalmist was all bent out of shape. He says, my very friends whom I trusted, who I put a lot of stock in, whom, whom I pray for, who, who I love, these are the ones that turn on me. Man. Hypocrisy. Uh, who? Let me go on. Let me go on. You're so quiet here. Uh, everybody's wondering. Hey, I read my sermon. Guess what? It gets gooder. Watch, watch, watch. Just don't go nowhere. Lock the doors. Uh, so as the psalmist is confronted with these two elements, okay, the burdens of the, being burdened by, by, the, by the way the streets were being run and kept unchecked, and then in the house, people, the way they treated him, uh, these two elements. The Bible says he was very much tempted to run. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. Chapter 55, verses 6, 7, and 8. We're dissecting this chapter here today. Do you have it? Psalms 55, beginning in verse 6. I said, oh, that I had, what? Wings of a dove. I would fly away and finally be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. Ah, hee Guy wants to go on a permanent vacation. Uh, get me out of here, Harold. I'll stand in the desert anyway, anywhere. Uh, listen, don't be a runner. Don't. Even if you've, you're burdened with all these different things, be a thumbtack Christian. Stick it out. Learn to stick it out. Uh, very vital, very important. Those of you that are new 
in this church or in Christianity, listen to me, here's where it's going to get good. Those of you that are new, rest assured, read my lips. Uh, rest assured, you are going to say these very words. But remember, you won't be the first to say these words. And for sure, you will not be the last. Are you ready? Are you ready? How many of you have been saved less than a year? Let me see your hands. Let me see you've been saved less than a year. Let me see your hands. Uh, okay, Russell, you're going to say these very words. Okay, you're going to say these words. Drum roll. Hallelujah. Ding. Drum roll. Ah, I got you. Hallelujah. I had better friends in the world. Yeah, you're going to say this. I had better friends in the world. Look at these Christians. Look at this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah? You're a Christian? Huh? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. But that's no reason to turn sissy and run. There is no reason to go to hell. There is no excuse to end up in hell. None. None. Hold on. Put under the gun. Don't run, hon or son. Even if you're not having fun.
So many times I've said those words. I'm coming from here, I'm coming from here and here, but I'm also coming from here tonight. I want to make you a better person, a better Christian, one that's going to be mature like Pastor Sonny was talking about. Uh, that's going to happen so many times. I remember being in the home. I mean, after two and a half years in the home, something's got to go wrong. <laughs> uh, you read between the lines. Goodness. And man, I'd be there, you know, the way they, they stole my toothpaste. Uh, I mean, I'd be going to church and a guy'd be wearing my tie. I mean, you can step in my blue suede shoes, but not my tie. You guys know my ties. Uh, and man, they'd be, did you hear what brother so-and-so said about you? My ties. Ah. Uh, so many things have happened that have wanted to make me run. Uh, people always saying this, that, and the other. I mean, I've been in Victoria 25 years. We haven't always been this good. We haven't always been this learned and knowledgeable and mature and experienced. I was there pretty well near the outset with a lot of jealousies, a lot of envies. I worked in the office when there was 33 people full-time on staff. God's number, 33, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, goodness, 33 people on staff. After we lost our state funding, our government funding, there was only three left. A lot of people were in it for the money. Praise God. I was one of the three, and so was Josie. Hallelujah. She wanted to leave, but I'm saying I'm the man. You can't, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, stay over here. Hallelujah. Get, give her cleats. But so many times I said that to myself and probably verbally to other people. And I did. You know what, man? I don't need this. I don't need this. Because you're looking at a guy that's real loyal. You're looking at a guy that, when I say I'm going to be your friend, I'm going to be your friend if I can. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to stay with you. Uh, so, when things like this happen, sometimes it's hard for me to fathom or understand, because I'm, I'm not a backstabber. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I, I know me. And you've got to understand this. You've got a father that's, that loves you and sticks to you. I'll be here for you, that's for sure. So when somebody does this, I go, oh, man, they did it again. This loyalty, oh, man. And there's been so much disloyalty in our ministry. Uh, not a, I'll, I'll be very frank and honest, not a lot in our church. And I, and I'll, I'll, I will salute you because I know how tough it is. It's happened a few times in our church, but not a lot. In other churches, and then within the overall Victor Rich Ministries. Guys, they said, Pastor Sonny, I'm with you. It always used to scare me. When I always said, Sonny, I'm with you. Sonny, I'm with you. Sonny, I'm with you. shut up and do it. But I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that. Because I'm not like I used to be before. Before I would have put guys in check. I was in the neighborhood. I was one of the leaders. I'd be, come on, be cool. Come on. But I don't do that too much anymore. I let the Holy Ghost do it. Uh, I tried to let the Holy Ghost do it. Uh, but man, I have seen so much authority. And I said, man, I had it better in the world. That's what the psalmist was saying. Uh, he said, man, look at all this stuff. Man, but it's going to happen. Like I said, you know, there is no hypocrites in a bar. Uh, hypocrites are in church. That's what's going to happen, but you don't get all, get all in our shape. He's a hypocrite. So what? Pray for him. Uh, hold on. See, believe me, there's nothing worth going to hell for. Nothing, not at all. You'll tell yourself, what's really going on? What's happening here? You're going to want to be like the psalmist and fly. Oh, if I had wings like a dove, I'd make like a tree and leave. You're going to want to go on a permanent vacation many times, but that's no reason to run. 
What's the difference between a pro and an amateur? Five minutes. He held on just a little bit longer. So many times I've, I've seen God's hand want to bless somebody, but they ran. They didn't want to hold on. But the way to deal with this is found in verse 22. And I'm going to close with that. Verse 22. It's found in fight, not flight. Did you hear me? It's found in fight, not flight. Cast your burdens on the Lord, your cares. And He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Don't run, but cast your burdens on the burden bearer to the Lord. Somebody once said, a burden shared is half a burden. Did you hear me? A burden shared is half a burden because you've given it to somebody else. Given it to God. See, you and I, we, we have a friend in Jesus. He's our partner. Uh, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Christianity is to be lived out in company, not in solitude. Did you hear me? Christianity is made to be lived out in a company, the company of the committed. Ah, uh, not in solitude. Man, if, you're, if you do things on your own, if you're your own attorney, if you're your own lawyer, if you ask questions and you answer them yourself, <laughs> I tell you, watch you. You won't be around too long. Uh, you won't be around. You, you got to share your burdens. You got to cast the burdens upon God. Ah, so vital, so important. The righteous yoke and the righteous burden is designed to be light. My burdens, my yoke is easy and my burdens are what? Light. God's burdens are designed to be light. Light afflictions, 1 Corinthians calls them. Luke 8.15, and we talked about this just the other day. Luke 8.15 talks about the, the, the fourth seed. Remember that? The fourth soil, how it retained the word of God. Remember that? Luke uh, 8.15 retains the word of God. Righteous people retain the word of God. Righteous means noble. Righteous means character. And in, in, the, in the neighborhood, it means a feed me dude. Remember that? We covered that the other day. It's a Bonnaroo dude. He's the bomb kind of dude. In, in the nowadays. That dude's the bomb. That guy can hang, bro. He's always in the mix. Uh, that, that's what a righteous dude is, a righteous individual. Uh, he can retain God's word. Retain is a word to do with boxing. Remember that? He retained the heavyweight champion of the world. I don't know how many of you saw the... The fight yesterday, but he did not retain the championship. He did not retain it. Uh, they gave it to the guy. Uh, but I'll tell you, in the second fight, that guy, he retained his, his championship. A young man by the name of Fernando Vargas, 21 years old. Where is he from? Oh, Oxnard. Oxnard, that's right. Uh, he retained, man, that guy, that guy had it all. Listen, you have, when the devil comes to mess with you, you've got to retain your Christianity. Because he's going to come and lie to you. But, you, know, you know what? Look at this. Pastor's talking about your loyalty. Because there's, they've been stopping you in the back. You bah, fight the devil. Retain your Christianity. Fight for it. Um, they're light afflictions. The burdens are light. So thus, my friend, lastly, verse 22 says uh, that he will sustain us. It doesn't say that he's going to take us out of it. It doesn't say that. He's not going to get you and put you someplace else. No, he's going to keep you there, but he's going to sustain you. You'll be able to go through it. 
A lot of people want to get taken out of those situations. Man, I want to get out of here. No. He's going to keep you there, but he's going to give you power and strength to go through it. Verse 22 says, he will sustain you. In other words, he's going to give you the strength and the power to bear and to carry your burden. To carry your load. Romans 5.3, the ability to remain under. Hupomeno. God will give you the ability to remain under. Under what? Under the pressures. The long sermons. The long demands of a genuine committed Christianity. If you want to live a genuine committed Christianity, you're going to have burdens. I've just told you. You're going to have pressures. You're going to want to throw in the towel. You're going to want to quit. Don't do it. Let him sustain you. Let him sustain you. Don't run. Hold on, hold on. It gets good. It gets good. Then we're going to close. How many will give me two minutes? Hallelujah. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we really hate the devil? Two minutes. Two minutes. See, God has promised, promised, promised us, promised to increase our strength. Even Christ himself on the Garden of Gethsemane. Bible says an angel came and ministered to him just before he went into the, to the cross. Uh, Luke twenty two forty three says that. He was getting ready to go to the cross. He prayed great drops of blood on the Garden of Gethsemane. And God sent him an angel to minister to him. You know where the angels hang out? I can feel the brush of angel wings. I see glory on each face at the altar. I found it here today, this morning. When I went there, they're still there. They're still there. I could have got all proud this morning and said, I'm the pastor. They're going to think I'm a sinner. I ran to the altar. I was the first one there. That's why I'm still a Christian. I haven't been perfect, but I know God's word. I know what God can do, and I, I try the hardest to live it. When I need forgiveness, I know where to go. And he sustains you. Uh, the altar is where the angels hang out, where the power of God is. Here's where the silver's at. Uh, the choice stuff is at the altar. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Psalms 55, 22. He will never, never, let the righteous fall. Never. And never is a long, long time. He will never let the righteous be moved. Never. Because every head is about a miracle. There's people here, you need God's ministry in your life. The burden of proof. The proof that you're righteous. The proof of the righteous. They'll be burdened with the, the loss. They'll be burdened with hypocrisy. They'll be burdened with disloyalty. But they'll have good speech. Good conduct. They'll be a blessing wherever they go. The burden of proof. Do you have that proof here tonight that you're righteous? Are you going through some things in your life? You need God to sustain you, to uphold you with the right hand of his righteousness. I want to pray first and foremost for those of you that need to be born again. You need to get saved. You need to give your, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need forgiveness of sins. I want to pray first for you. As every head is bowed and every head closed, the Spirit of God, moving in ministry. See, Brother Steve, I, 
I need forgiveness of sins in my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you very quickly. From all over this place, to lift up your hand and quickly put it down. You need forgiveness of sins. God bless you. 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 Anybody else? This is my last call. You need forgiveness of sins. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? God bless you. You can put your hand down. You need forgiveness of sins. God bless you. 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 Anyone else? This is my last call. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Anyone else? You need forgiveness of sins. Quickly lift up your hand and quickly put it down. Many hands have gone up, but I believe there's more. I'm going to wait a few more moments. God bless you. God bless you. Great. Anyone else? Then we're going to pray. God bless you. You Put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You Put your hand down. Beautiful. Now as every head is still bowed and every eye closed, you're a Christian. But God ministered to your life. The enemies come in and try to waver you. Try to move you. Try to move you. Try to move you. And you want God to sustain you. That's what the altar is for. Jesus, when he was going to the the cross he wanted he himself who was God he almost wanted to he says if it be possible take this cup from me but nevertheless not my will but your will be done and the Bible says in Luke 22 43 God sent a ministering angel because he needed one some of you you need to be ministered to you need God from the inner man and from the outside to minister to you. You've been going through some heavy trials. And if that's you and you want me to pray for you, many hands have gone up already for salvation and forgiveness of sins. But if you're a Christian, righteous individual, but you've been burdened, you've been going through things, I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand as well. Then quickly put it down from all over this place. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. Beautiful. God bless you. Anyone else? Let's all stand. Everybody standing, please. We're going to do a song here. And as we begin to do that song, I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand. Many hands went up. I'm going to ask you to come and bend the knee to Jesus here at this altar. The altar is open. And we begin to sing that song. Let me leave this altar the same. Jesus, I need. The altar is open. The altar is open if you need to come. I'm going to ask you quickly to slip out of your seat. I surrender to you. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Sing it one more time that we're going to pray. Don't let me leave this altar the same. Jesus, I need. Jesus, I need my life to be changed all that I am I surrender to you don't let me leave altar the same those in the audience put your hands for this way I want to say a prayer for all of you that are here where you're at I've been I've been there and I'm still going to go there more times the burden of proof we get burdened them that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution it's not going to be easy before I ask you to repeat a prayer to me I want to say a prayer for you first Jesus I pray that you would lift these burdens these light afflictions let them know Lord God that they can 
carry them because you can sustain them. That you are within them and even without them, Lord God, to help and assist them. You yourself, when you were going to go to the cross, you got on your knees in the garden of Gethsemane and you cried out. Great drops of sweat and blood were coming out. The whole burden of the every sin of this planet, everyone that had ever lived and was, was going to live was upon you. You didn't throw in the towel. But you kept going. You went to the cross. And you made a difference. One person can make a difference. So much is in the balance. So many unsaved loved ones and friends and relatives and acquaintances. Their salvation hinges on these people going through their trials right now. Their blessings hinge, depend, depend on their ability to go through trials. Because that's what makes up a Christian. He's able to go through because he's sustained through you, Jesus. Come right now, Lord God, and kiss their hurts. Come, Lord God, and walk them through. Like, the, like that picture about footsteps in the sand. You carried us, 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 you carried us. This church is full of history when you carried us.